That's the biggest thing that you want to keep in mind because again, from a a pure financial standpoint, yes, like cutting your overhead and automating everything, that's great on paper, but you also have to put yourself in the mind of the guests and think, okay, how can I deliver the absolute best experience possible and try and think through all of the questions and all of the things that they would want to have a memorable experience. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week, we interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world. Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil, and you're listening to the Road to Family Freedom podcast. Our guest today is our second ever repeat guest, and I'm pleased to have him back. He's the Airbnb guy on Instagram. He's the co-founder of Occupied, a national short-term rental investment and management company. And he and his wife, Kristen, have recently purchased a boutique hotel on Boston's North Shore. Michael Shogren, welcome back to the Road to Family Freedom. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. It's, good to, it's always good to see your face, my friend. Likewise. Yeah. So your, your specialty to this point has been co-hosting short-term rental properties. Uh, now, for our guests who aren't familiar with co-hosting and maybe didn't catch you on your first interview, this is back on episode 20. Can you give us a quick rundown of the co-hosting business model? Yeah, for sure. So there's essentially three ways that you can generate income through short-term rentals, right? You can go out and buy properties and then furnish them and list them on sites like Airbnb, et cetera. You could master lease somebody else's property. So I could rent somebody's property, pay to furnish it. And then I basically make the difference from what my rent payment is to what I could make on Airbnb. And then the last model is to co-host other people's properties. So it's essentially like a management contract for folks that have properties. They like the model, but they don't want to essentially get their hands dirty and manage it themselves. So we come in and we manage everything for them from soup to nuts. And then we take percentage of the revenue. Gotcha. And what percentage of the revenue? I know it varies, but what, like, what's the ballpark range for the percentage of revenue that you take? Uh, it could be anywhere from 15 to 25%, depending on the services that I provide. If it's full turnkey and the owners want to be completely passive, then it's 25%. If they want to be a little more hands-on and manage cleanings and supplies and things like that, you know, it's open to, nego uh, to negotiation. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and how long have you been doing that? Oh, man, about 
two and a half, two and a half, close to three years now. Okay, gotcha. And do you have uh, a rough ballpark for the net income that your portfolio is producing right now? If you don't uh, it varies. And yeah, no, for sure. I would say on average, from like a monthly standpoint, I would say you should average anywhere from 500 to $2,000 a month per property that you're doing. And obviously that depends on the size of the property and the location. Um, you know, obviously larger homes, they produce more income, you know, more desirable areas obviously produce more income. So it can vary widely, but I would say anywhere from 500 to 2000 a month per property. Okay. Gotcha. And your, your, what's your book look like, look like right now? How many, you're at like 24 properties. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, and you know, the average person, the average real estate investor is listening to you right now and going, Oh my God, that sounds like a whole lot of work. Um, how do you manage uh, that workload and keep it from overwhelming you? Yeah, for sure. So as you know, right, you, you've gone through some of the, the trainings that we have. Uh, we've got a pretty dial in. So it's all about creating systems and automation and things like that. So um, at a high level, okay, there's a, a few different areas that you need to create systems around. You need to create systems around uh, guest access, Right, so you don't want to be having to run back and forth to give guest keys and all sorts of things like that. Uh, you need a system around your pricing so that your pricing can essentially maximize your occupancy and your revenue without you have to go manually every single day and tweak your pricing. Uh, that in and of itself can become a full-time job very, very quickly. Uh, you need a turnover management system so that uh, you can go in and basically have your cleaners and handymen basically on autopilot. So they know when they need to go, uh, they're automatically notified and then they just notify you as the operator if there are any issues that come up, okay? Uh, then you obviously need a like some type of security system to keep your eyes and ears on the property at all times. So we, have, we use a, a wide variety of technologies in our properties uh, from security cameras to noise monitoring to the the Wi-Fi locks that I was mentioning earlier to, again, just keep eyes and ears on the property at all times. So when you, when you put all of those pieces together, you're taking, you know, 95% of the manual labor of your time out of the equation and you've got teams in place that can handle the boots on the ground types of operation. Gotcha. And then uh, guest communication, are you handling guest communication? Right, exactly. So that is also automated. I forgot to mention that. So thank you for bringing that up. That, that is absolutely crucial. And I think that is the, the biggest thing that folks that get into this business, if they don't have that system set up, it becomes a full-time job almost immediately because you get, I get tens of thousands of messages every single month. And I physically, even if I wanted to, could not sit down and respond to all of them. Even if I had them templated it out and I was just copying and pasting, right? It's just not physically possible. So we, again, use different softwares that have artificial intelligence and things like that, that can detect certain types of questions and send responses out. And now I've got a few different team members and some VAs that also help with guest communication. Gotcha. No, it, it was very much our experience as well, even with just one single property like we had uh, was that, you know, I mean, you just get constant questions from people, you know, how far are you from the airport? How far are you from this landmark? Uh, do you, do you allow pets? Do you, you know, even though it's all, you can list all that stuff bullet pointed in the listing and people will just, they won't read. They'll just like, I'm just going to ask somebody. And it's nice. Cause you can, you can set it up to have an auto responder. will say, I think you're asking about whether or not we accept pets. Here's our pet policy. Uh, and yes, like it was really, it was a game changer for us. Um, 
And we learned that from you. <laughs> uh, so at the time we're recording this, it's June of 2020. And depending on who you ask, we're either on the tail end in the middle or at the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I hope we're on the tail end. Uh, but now I can say from firsthand experience that COVID shut down our short-term uh, rentals like dead cold for uh, about a two-month period. Um, how have you and other short-term rental operators you know adapted during uh, COVID? Yeah, for sure. So what I've been saying since March at this point, quite frankly, was there was going to be a big hit from April and May, for sure, especially at destination places. Like I've got a lot of students that have properties in, say, Disney or attractions like that, that just physically could not operate. Um, what we did and what we were teaching was, there's essentially nine different reasons why people travel, and I won't get into all of them, but most people think either it's for a vacation or for work, but there's a whole bunch of others, right? And so if you're anywhere near a hospital, even if it's not during COVID, especially when it's not during COVID, you know, you're going to get traveling nurses, you're going to get patients that are going to be there for, you know, three days to 14 days that need some treatment and they need some care. Uh, you're going to get family members visiting people in the hospital, things of that nature, right? So if you're anywhere near a hospital, it's a great location. Uh, if you're anywhere near a university, if you're anywhere near a military base, uh, and then there's just general life events and relocation and things like that where people, we had quite frankly, a lot of bookings. Our average stay went from three nights to 14 nights during the whole COVID pandemic because people were either going to visit folks in the hospital, they needed to be hospitalized. Right, like if you need a some type of emergency surgery, whether COVID's going on or not, you need to get that surgery, right? So yeah. that's kind of irrelevant. Um, but we also had a lot of folks that were just self quarantining. They were like, you know what, I want to get out of the city. I'm going to go self quarantine somewhere else, and I'd rather do it in the mountains or out in the suburbs somewhere or anywhere else. Uh, and then we had folks that were self quarantining to go visit their parents or their grandparents. So they had to be somewhere in isolation for two weeks in order to go take care of their family members. So that kept us afloat for, you know, the last couple months. And then once June kicked in, you know, it's almost kind of back to normal. Uh, our bookings took off. Uh, things are looking really well again. I think quite frankly, a lot of people are anxious to get out of the house. They've been cooped up for months and months and they're just like, I don't care. Just make sure that obviously you're clean in that place and I'm ready to get out. Um, so, you know, we've seen a, a huge uptick with that. What I think folks will see just in general with travel is, I think a lot of folks are still going to be really cautious to get on an airplane, but a lot of people are willing to drive, you know, an hour to four to five hours away just to get away for a weekend or for a few days. So that has been the bulk of our reservations over the last month and for throughout the summer, quite frankly, that we're seeing coming in. Yeah. And the other, some of the other uh, short-term rental operators that we stay in touch with, uh, the ones that are in those drivable destinations, you know, they had, they got, you know, it was a real hard couple of months, but as soon as like things started to open up, um, they're booked solid and, and it's all people just driving. Uh, and I, I agree with you, you know, God help the people in um, Hawaii and places like that, that are, you know, that are absolutely just airplane destinations. They're really hurting. But um, are you, uh, are there any new cleaning protocols that uh, Airbnb has required you to implement or anything that you're doing just voluntarily on your own? 
So we operate in five different states, or actually four now, because one of the properties actually just got sold. But each state and each county is a little bit different on how they're asking us to handle it as they opened up. So some states are asking for uh, a 24-hour window in between bookings. So we're just adding that buffer in between our bookings. Um, our cleaning protocols haven't changed much only because we had such thorough cleaning procedures in the first place, right? Like we weren't, we weren't using blankets. Like we always had comforters with duvet covers that got bleached and sanitized after every turn. I mean, obviously our cleaners are still Lysoling the entire property. They're sanitizing the entire property. They're wearing masks now, obviously. Uh, gloves when handling things. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, we really haven't changed much of that. Uh, it's quite frankly been a lot more on the guest communication side, like reiterating our thorough cleaning process and just giving them peace of mind that like, yes, like quite frankly, this is our standard operating procedure to completely sanitize and disinfect a property regardless. Um, so it, it wasn't like a really a huge wrench in our operation from a cleaning standpoint. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, enough of that depressing stuff. Let's get on to more exciting things. Uh, now you and your wife, Kristen, just purchased a boutique hotel on uh, the North shore of Boston called the Cove at Rockport. So it's 13 rooms, correct? Yes. Yeah, so there's 11 rooms and then a duplex. So 11 hotel rooms and then two apartments and how many are they all just single like single studio rooms on the 11 rooms and then the duplex or there's a couple doubles um that have two rooms or they're more like suites you know that have two king beds plus a pull-out couch and a little dinette uh area you know we put little mini fridges and microwaves and keurigs in all the rooms and things like that like we would do with a traditional short-term rental um you know and just set up the property to function similar to a short-term rental where every door has its own unique uh, Wi-Fi lock. Guests get their own unique access code every time. It's, total, it's all self-check-in. Uh, we've got a great like lounge club room that they can use, but there's no front office. Like When they get here, they don't have to come wait at a desk, get a set of keys, all that stuff. Uh, we send out messages in advance, give them all the information they need, and then obviously they can call us if they have questions. But you know, we're putting out extra towels, extra linens, extra pillows, all that kind of thing. So all the frequently asked questions that you would get at a hotel, they're already stocked in the rooms. Okay. So how did you, how did you structure the purchase on the deal? Sure. So again, uh, one of my partners brought the deal to me. We reviewed it together. He asked me, you know, would our systems from the short-term rentals work with a property like this? We reviewed it. I was very confident that we could make it work using the same types of systems that we were using. And we were, when, as we were discussing, you know, the operations and how we were going to acquire the deal, um, you know, I thought about it and I said, you know, this is going to be a long-term play for us. What I'd really like to do, instead of taking a management fee, I want ownership equity in this deal. And, as, you know, we talked about it back and forth, came to an agreement. And basically, I am, you know, the operating partner, managing partner, whatever you want to call it, the boots on the ground that's running the property. And then my other two partners essentially brought the capital to the deal, similar to a syndication, only much smaller as like a, a partnership. Um, so they brought the, the funding for the down payment and the renovations. We were able to get some really good seller financing terms, which was great because we were able to close on the property quickly, didn't have to go through all the hoops with the banks and things like that. Um, and we were able to close on that uh, back in February with a game plan. You know, initially we were thinking that we would just, you know, let the seller financing kind of hold its term, 
you know, we got great terms. It was at 5% for, I think we had a balloon in five years. So it gave us plenty of time to do what we needed to do, uh, some maneuverability from a refinance standpoint. But now that the bookings are coming in, I was actually just checking before this, you know, over the last few weeks, we've got 93 reservations. It's just like taken off. So we should be in a really good position to refinance it towards the end of the summer or the fall if things keep going the way that they're going. Now that the rates are so low, be able to pull their initial investment out and just let this thing ride for, you know, a long-term play. You know, I've got a, a good friend of mine, Eric Hemingway, uh, who we've interviewed on the podcast before, who recently did almost the exact same thing that you're doing uh, in uh, Curry Beach, North Carolina. He bought an old boutique hotel and he's converting it, you know, cleaning it up, converting it to uh, unmanned, you know, uh, self-check-in, things like that. Um, one of the things that he's had to deal with is a lot of saltwater damage. Did you guys have have to deal with any of that? No, we didn't have a lot of saltwater damage. Um, it was just quite frankly a lot of more like deferred maintenance, right? So we had to put a new roof on it. Uh, ended up, you know, pretty much redoing the entire club room. You know, new floors, new decor, new paint, um, all that. We ended up putting split unit heat and ACs in every single room uh, because the property before didn't have air conditioning. Um, we ended up painting the exterior just because it was a little beat up looking and there were different types of siding and it just, it wasn't a good look. So, you know, we really just got the rooms updated to where they needed to be, uh, did a bunch of new landscaping outside, uh, reinforced some of, some of the things that needed to be done and, um, you know, really happy with the way it came out. Uh, that's great. Um, so what, um, how did you handle the valuation of it? You said, you know, when you, when you saw it on LoopNet, you said you thought it was probably a little bit overpriced. How did you handle that valuation? So we came in with our initial offer at about half of what he was asking because we knew that it had been sitting, you know, we knew the price point that we wanted to get it at. Um, and we knew that the work that was going to need to be done to, to get it to where it needed to be. And we just put the offer out there and we just said, you know, if you really want to move this thing, you know, this is what we're willing to, uh, to invest in it. And you let us know. And, you know, we went back and forth a couple of times, ended up on what we felt like was a fair, fair valuation, fair price on that. Um, and again, I always tell folks like you can fix a building, but you can't fix a location. And when we saw this location, I mean, we were like, this, this location is absolutely perfect. It's like literally the, one of the very few hotels right on the ocean here, uh, right across from one of the main beaches. And it's like a four minute walk to the downtown with all the shops and restaurants. I mean, it's perfect, perfect location. Yeah. How do you think it was being um, mismanaged? Or was uh, it? They just weren't, they just weren't keeping up with the, the maintenance and the upgrades that needed to be done. Um, you know, it's kind of like you, in the hospitality space, you've got to continuously innovate and give people a reason to come back, right? So if we've got a lot of repeat guests that have literally been coming to this place for 50 years, but a lot of them stopped coming because there was nothing new. There were no upgrades. There was no, there was no reason. It was like, well, why don't we try something else? Right? So, you know, every, every few years you got to come up with something that's like, Oh wow. Well they did this this year or they did this. And it's just trying to continually innovate and continue to be, you know, the best in your market. I always tell people, even with Airbnbs, if you're going to get in the game, I highly recommend going with the 
you know, minimum B plus class property. You don't want to do this with like C class properties because you're going to, I find that the guests that pay the least cause the most damage and the most headaches. So I don't want to deal with those types of guests. I want to provide great properties, great locations, and host great guests. Quite frankly, I just don't want to deal with the headaches. And we've had really good luck with that over the last few years. So we're very selective with the properties that we take on. And again, when we saw this one, we were like, we just absolutely saw the potential in it. Oh, that's great. Um, so uh, the confidence, what was it that really made you confident that it was that you figured you figured that it was going to be a good deal and that you could execute the business plan that you're executing now? I mean, I'm familiar with the area. Like we've been coming up here to these beaches for years and I just knew just based on this location um, that we could make it work. You know, we knew that we were going to need to put some money into it. There were obviously some things that came up that, you know, you just can't plan for. Um, but, you know, we, we spent the money, we invested the money, got it to where it needed to be. And um, again, I just knew like the location I always look for location. It's the same with any type of real estate strategy, right? Whether you're doing apartments, whether you're doing mobile home parks, hotels, it doesn't really matter. You've got to have the property in the right location. And this location was perfect. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so you've got it mostly automated for self check-in. Do you have any kind of boots on the ground that, that, you know, either uh, you've obviously got to have somebody turning it over uh, and do you have like a maintenance man you know, on call or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So again, similar to short-term rentals, I've got a local handyman who's fantastic. He lives around the corner from here. Uh, even the other night, you know, a guest was saying, oh, I wish you would have turned off the, the lights on the deck because like it's kind of bright in my room. He ran over here at 1130, flipped it off for me, right? Like just little things like that. Um, he's available for any punch list items. I actually use one of my cleaning crews for some of my local short-term rentals that have been turning over this place because I know them and I trust them and they do amazing work. So we just worked out a little different rate structure for here. Um, and then I've got uh, a couple local folks that can essentially clean the club room and the common areas, you know, water the plants, cut the lawn, things like that. They'll work the parking lot. We've got a, a 54 space parking lot for the beach that, you know, we reserve about 15 spots for guests and then the rest are for the beach so they can work that. And then myself and one of our other team members kind of float back and forth here, especially for this first summer, just to kind of help facilitate the transition. Because when you have a lot of repeat guests that are used to a hotel operating a certain way, you still kind of have to facilitate that transition. Yeah. So I expected that I kind of built that in and I don't really mind being up here. It's beautiful. So, you know, I've, we built a little office for ourselves here that we can work out of, get our regular stuff done. And then if guests have questions, I can just pop out. Uh, but we don't have like a full-time staff that's working here 24 seven or anything like that. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, there's um, in a lot of different industries, there's so many, there's a shift happening with sort of a, a almost like a touchless business model. I mean, self-storage is seeing it. Uh, obviously you're seeing it with Airbnb, you know, which is sort of, uh, shifting the way the short-term rental market works because it used to be, you know, you go to a short-term rental because they've been around for years, you know, you'd have to go to an office and, and pick up the key. And, uh, you know, if that was, if that was, a uh, if it was a big operator, uh, and then you'd go and, you know, you needed to drop off the key afterwards. And now there's so many 
tools and automations that you can you can basically automate these things and you can make them as unmanned as possible. I mean, it's obviously going to have to be a little bit, um, but it's really a, a wonderful shift. And the hard part, honestly, is just managing the guest or the customer experience and expectation. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the biggest thing that you want to keep in mind because again, from a, a pure financial standpoint, yes, like cutting your overhead and automating everything, that's great on paper, but you also have to put yourself in the mind of the guests and think, okay, how can I deliver the absolute best experience possible and try and think through all of the questions and all of the things that they would want to have a memorable experience, right? So everything from, you know, when they get here, you know, we were putting out some little cards and different things just to, to make them feel welcome, similar to what we do in our short-term rental properties, like a little thank you note, little gifts, things like that. Uh, we've gotten beach chairs for all the rooms, There's a couple of beach chairs in each room. Obviously those get sanitized after every guest, but just little things to try and think through. You know, we have some um, closets strategically placed in some of the common areas. So if they go through all the extra towels and linens in their room and it's, late or whatever, and they need more, okay, cool, then we have backup closets that they can just walk out of their room and go down to this closet and grab some more if they need it. Same thing with, you know, K-cups and all that, all that stuff. So just trying to think through what would make this a good experience and how can we make it easy for them to still reach us if they need to? Because again, facilitating that transition, I feel like when you stay at a short-term rental, you almost expect to be kind of hands-off from the host. Obviously, they're available if you need it. With a hotel, it's a little different. Like the expectations are different. So managing those expectations is huge. So again, we continuously remind them this is a smart hotel. Uh, we've got a lot of technology in place. It's totally, um, you can access whatever you need on your own. We're obviously here to help you, but we're trying to especially during COVID, right? A lot of minimizing contact with everybody, uh, all those types of things. So like you said, setting expectations is everything because that's how they're going to measure you. But if they just showed up here expecting a, a regular traditional hotel and then they're like, where's the front desk? We'd have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you've been open. You, you had your first guest come in when? Uh, last Thursday. Last Thursday. So you've been... Oh, you haven't, been, you haven't been open in a week, correct? Okay. Not even a full week. Okay. All this right. is it. Uh, any, so besides the, uh, you know, the guest uh, asking for the, the, light to, the light to be off in the middle of the night, have you had any other hiccups and things like that? <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, it wasn't a guest issue. It was our big opening weekend on Saturday. We actually had a sewer main break out front and overflow some of my club room bathrooms. So I was here all weekend, had to have an emergency excavation done out in the street, replacing a bunch of pipe, sanitation company coming in. Uh, it was really, really crazy weekend. Um, but, you know, we got through it. We were able to keep all the guests happy. Fortunately, it was absolutely gorgeous outside. So they were hanging out on the deck or on the beach or going downtown. Uh, they didn't really need to be in the club room. Um, but again, we first thing I did, obviously getting in touch with plumbers and drainage and sanitation companies, getting all the cleanup done. And then first thing I do is I go start communicate with the guests, just giving them a heads up. Hey, apologize. We're having a little bit of a plumbing issue downstairs. I got to keep the club room closed for the time being, but if you need any recommendations or anything else for downtown, or if you need any extra towels or whatever, you just let me know. I'll be around all day. Right. So it's just, again, think, thinking through the mind of what would a guest want and what would they expect and how can I give them a good experience? 
It's not just, I have to fix this issue. Sorry, tough luck. It's like, how do I balance all of that? Yeah, right. And yeah. keep a level head and not freak out and get upset with contractors or whatever else. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so seasonality, I mean, it's obviously you're in, uh, you're in Boston. It's gorgeous there all year round. It's a, it's perfect beach weather in January in Boston as our, as I, as I've heard, uh, how are you guys planning to sort of deal with the seasonality? Yeah, absolutely. So the traditionally, this hotel operated through October and then they closed for the winter and then reopen in April. We're planning to run it year round where we're going to do a lot of event based bookings in the off season. So around uh, like October, November into early December, we're going to really focus on having like small intimate like business conferences and mastermind events where folks can rent out the entire property, things like that. And then around the holidays, we'll have a lot of stuff, you know, we'll have Santa come through and do like a sleepover with Santa and things like that. Um, you know, more, more event based revenue. Um, but as far as like our plan is, it's like, okay, if we can make X percentage of our annual revenue in these four months, then the icing on the cake is what we can generate in the off season. Right. Gotcha. So that's, that was kind of the business model that we were looking at going into this. Gotcha. Well, Michael, I am, I'm so excited for you and Kristen. Uh, it, I've, the, the pictures look just phenomenal. Um, we're going to try and make it out there at some point uh, when it's, you know, a little more fun to fly uh, and we'd love to come visit it. But um, if any of our guests want to find out more about this place and you, what would be the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, for sure. So you can check out the hotel at coveatrockport.com. So it's all spelled out, coveatrockport.com. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Airbnb guy. Uh, if you're interested in starting your own short-term rental business, you can go to strsecrets.com. I've got a free training on there and a bunch of different resources you can check out. Um, yeah, and always feel free to, to send me a DM. I love, I love talking shop and you know, helping people get started. I was fortunate to have some great mentors and a lot of people around me that helped get my start. And this is just, you know, my way of giving back and I just love doing it. So. All right. Well, thanks again, Michael. It was great talking to you as always. Likewise. Thanks. Okay. Once again, that was Michael Shogren from uh, the Cove at Rockport, the Airbnb guy uh, occupied. So uh, strsecrets.com, go and check out uh, the places, all the places that uh, Michael lives. Um, he is uh such an inspiration. Uh, he's such a, uh, a sharp guy. And I love what he and his wife, Kristen have been able to accomplish in a very, very short time. Um, so for me, the key lesson learned on this episode uh, was to focus on the guest experience or the customer experience. You know, if you're dealing with like self storage, um, put yourself in their shoes and try to imagine the kinds of questions that they're going to ask, the kind of issues that they're going to have, the what sort of, what are their needs going to be? Uh, because as we, you know, we work towards trying to streamline their experience and our uh, interaction, you know, that allows us to scale and not have to be constantly uh, dealing with either a tenant or a guest or a customer, um, focus on, on what their experience is going to be. Um, and, and that's really the way to, to, to achieve scale and, and not be uh, completely buried by trying to work in your business rather than on your business. So uh, once again, that was Michael Shogren. Always such a great uh, time talking to Mike. And um, if you get a chance, 
Go check out The Cove at Rockport in Massachusetts. We'll see you. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.